Welcome to Native Yoga Toddcast. My name is Todd McLaughlin, and I will be your host. If you would like to learn more about our upcoming live stream yoga classes, workshops, teacher trainings, and or our online yoga studio, please visit us at nativeyogacenter.com. Thank you. Sit back, relax, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, welcome to Native Yoga Toddcast. You know, one of the an issue that a lot of people are dealing with is uh, weight issues and <clears throat> self acceptance issues and eating disorders and um, just really being able to let go and feel that we are okay in our own skin. And so that is why I'm really excited to bring in a friend of mine, Sarah Granada, who is a yoga teacher, and she has created a website and a program at PeacefulPowerProject.com. I have a feeling you already know how to spell it. I spell everything out. I want to make it obvious. P-E-A-C-E-F-U-L, Power, P-O-W-E-R, Project, P-R-O-J-E-C-T.com. So please listen, and if you feel that you are in need of some extra help in this department, then Sarah is the person to go to. She's awesome. She's great. So on that note, I would like to welcome Sarah Granado. Welcome, everybody. I'm really excited to have Sarah Granado here. Sarah, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you, Todd? I'm really well. Thank you. I, I appreciate you taking time today. I'm, I'm really interested in hearing about what you're up to these days. And I want to let everybody know that's listening that, um, you know, you're, we're, we're friends and you also are a yoga teacher. So I feel like I do, whenever I get a chance to do a conversation like this, it's unique if I have the opportunity to like I feel really comfortable with you and I've known you for a long time and we've practiced together a bunch and so it's very easy for me and I feel comfortable conversing with you and so and um, I'm just really thankful that you're that you're here today. I'm grateful for the opportunity to chat with you and my um, respect and admiration uh, for you as a yoga teacher and human um, is (laughs) Manyfold. So, and you're also my mom's teacher. <laughs> so. That's right. I know. I, I love the. <laughs> I love the fact when we have this family dynamic going, where there's multiple generations in a room together, and or you know, practicing over a long period of time together. It's really nice. Yeah, I was living in New York City when my mom started talking about uh, her practice with you and with Native, and I was like, "Who is this?" <laughs> Back to South Florida uh, to, to check your studio out and see who she was so excited about. So. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> yeah. well, I, we appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, of course. And I'd I like you know everybody at home to, or wherever you are, uh, to have an idea of what you're doing right now, which is you have a website called the Peaceful Power Project dot com, and um, can you? Can you explain to us what, what your mission is? Sure. Um, the Peaceful Power Project is an umbrella um, of peaceful power practices. Um, it's, I've been teaching yoga, uh, yoga, asana, like the postures, um, more in, uh, I would say, vinyasa style, but I've always had um, specialties uh, with special conditions, so... Um, anyone uh, rehabbing injury or uh, well, definitely pre and postnatal, uh, anything that needed like, beginners, uh, people that needed more uh, attention and modification. So that's like my specialty in the asana portion of yoga. So I really like to teach to the ones who don't feel like they could be, you know, taught to. Yeah. And I have the same approach um, with meditation, which I sometimes find people will like the word mindfulness <laughs> or mindset. 
uh, I really, you know, they say <laughs> you can't please everyone, but I really do uh, because this practice, the postures and the mindfulness and the meditation have been so uh, powerful and transformative for me. I really feel like everybody <laughs> can and um, can do this stuff. So my mission with Peaceful Power Project and Peaceful Power Practices is to make mindful movement practices, which we could say yoga, postures, asana, uh, mindful movement, and then the mindfulness practices such as meditation, breathing tools, uh, you know, different mindfulness techniques, make it accessible to all. So that's the mission of the Peaceful Power Project. Um, I'm also a mom of two little ones, so I do have a family um, component to that as well. I've written a few kids yoga books. I'm um, just from being a stay-at-home mom who's like, well, I'm not a closet creative. I'm a creative, so I just needed to do something. <laughs> so I wrote these like two kids yoga books, um, and so you know, family, family yoga, getting everyone involved, um, and again, even before there's a family, so prenatal, um, helping families through the postpartum period and then, you know, children. And that's really been my mission for the 14 years. I might have started to call it the Peaceful Power Project over the past several years. Mm. Uh, And then the newest edition, which has been my main focus, Gosh, it all happened so quickly, uh, but it was a lifetime in the making. Uh, we, I don't even know what to call it because technically it's not a quarantine, but when our lives <laughs> changed and we were to stay at home, um, I uh, had this opportunity <laughs> to think, <You're> right. <laughs> to get more quiet, <laughs> to get more mindful. Um and to, in a sense, uh, feel what the next step is, was going to be for Peaceful Power Project and for my mission as a yoga and meditation teacher. And so that is when um, the newest focus, which is the Emerge program, um, was birthed in that uh, the quiet time where we had to stay home. And it made me realize how many things I was doing that was like, how many trips to like a frozen yogurt shop with the girls or the carousel, like just all of these things that took up all the time once that was gone. <laughs> like going to Barnes and Noble for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, now we're home. Um, and you think with two little ones, I mean, like, yeah, I'm constantly busy, but I'm also, <laughs> you know, have time. Um, so this new program was born, and I was really excited. I want to share it with as many people as possible. And I actually remember. I approached you when I had launched it and I was like, can, can we talk about it? Can, you know, can we share right. about it? Um, so, so yeah, that's kind of all of the peaceful power project. So it's yoga meditation, particularly for those who might even have resistance or an aversion to it. I'm your girl. <laughs> and then, um, and then this, and families, and then this new program that I've created. Nice, Sarah. In that show. <laughs> That's cool. I that's awesome. I know. I think that there's definitely a need for taking an approach where people that are hesitant and reluctant uh, to try to make it very accessible, and that that's something I always find really refreshing. When you know, there's there's so many aspects to yoga, and there's so many things that I find really exciting about it like for example the sanskrit language and like i I love that part of it i think it's so interesting to try to learn posture names in sanskrit or to look at different texts and try to learn proper pronunciation but for a lot of people hearing a foreign language can be like a a big turnoff for people because they Either they don't know what's being said or they feel like it maybe it pushes buttons on different levels for maybe triggering religious issues or, um, you know, there's so many different things that I think that by stripping some of the that element out and getting into the nutshell or the core of what the yoga is attempting to do that, that you're right. You could, you could access and make it very approachable for a lot of people. What are some things that you found that you've had to do or are trying to do or that you implement to make that possible? 
Well, it is funny that you actually mentioned Sanskrit because um, though I am the yoga for everybody teacher, when my husband and I owned a yoga studio in New York, I'm all about the Sanskrit. And I was a newer teacher then, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I was just, and I have a good memory. And it's like, I just love to use it all the time. <laughs> and my husband is this incredible teacher and he was like just the opposite. I would be like, and who got the better uh, response from the class? The person who was like right. telling them what to do with their body parts. But anyway, so it is funny that you, you brought it up because I do have, um, I love the, you know, the magic and mysticism of all, you know, all of the many levels of yoga practice. Um, well, so my approach is, is less like a generalized thing than really getting to know each person. Um, I do suppose if we talk like group, like group class setting, mm-hmm. I do try to, like I do as a parent as well, hold space. Um, and this is something that has come with time because when I was a new teacher, really into um, alignment and safety and just, I realized um, in some ways uh, I was not being supportive. I was actually mm. creating a feeling of like, well, I'm never going to be able to do this if I can't get my knee over my heel. You're like, right. <laughs> you know, just, just setting up, you know, all of those cues. So it was really um, when I'm meeting people, whether in a group class setting or one-on-one, um, I really love to give space so I can uh, create um, that time to explore for the person and then from there I can read how much or how little um, they want or need um, so that's and you know you're not always <laughs> that's, and it's also the balance because um, we need part what we're attracted to and part what we have aversion to mm. um, you know so working with, with both of those um it is very important. So I just like to watch and hold space for a period of time and really, and I've also led teacher trainings and one of the methodologies that I teach is that it's communication constantly, even if it's nonverbal. Um, so even though you're the only one speaking in a led class and probably even in a private for the most part, I have some that are conversational, but the majority you want to let mm-hmm. them get into their zone. Yeah. So it's not a conversation, but they're always speaking to you, right? They're yeah, speaking to you. If the breath, if you watch the yeah. breath work start to falter, they're speaking with you. Um, if, if you've held them in something and they're straightening the leg and leaning back and like releasing their hip flexor and they're speaking to you when you give them an option and they take it or they don't. Um, and so it's that communication um, that I like to read and be sensitive to. And um, it was actually a student of mine who, you know, you hear this phrase, uh, the edge all the time in practice. And she said, if you're like up on a cliff, if you go too far, well, if you stand back too far, you don't see the beautiful, the beauty in front of you, right? The view. Mm-hmm. But if you go too far, you fall off and you, crash but um so it is that like really delicate balance of watching where someone is afraid to go where they want to go where the learning happens um and and days where you you don't go there because it's safer not to um and i get this a lot working with the special conditions and with um with pregnancy and when i i teach prenatal teacher training um i say like your your student says oh i want to cancel (laughs) today or I'm not feeling up to it. Um, you can do a whole practice, <laughs> like a whole, you know, one hour, 90 minutes that, that really does meet them where they're at. Right. Um, right. So it's not like I try to talk people into not canceling, but kind of, because <laughs> there's something we can focus more on breath work that day. We can focus more on mindful movement practices, which don't have to look like a warrior. <laughs> and it's, it's funny. And, you had asked me before about like um, my Instagram and stuff. It's funny because I do like show a lot of like crazy poses or tricks, mm. but I actually don't teach many of them. I, I actually prefer, you know, prefer to teach the absolute beginner. And I love to teach yeah. and I probably, you know, will offer a hand balance workshop or whatever, but 
but I, um, it is very, I struggle sometimes because with what I show isn't really <laughs> what, I, what I teach. Yeah. Um, so that's just a funny thing. But yeah, so that's, that's some of it. That's what the posture is. Mindfulness is something completely different to, to speak to someone who doesn't have a meditation practice. And it's so challenging for me because the power of meditation is, is I mean, movement is actually, it's, it's all equal, but the, the simplicity of the meditation practice and the results that you get from it, it's just incredible. Like, often you actually have to work <laughs> and you feel great afterwards. But the simplicity of having a mindfulness practice, of practicing um, breathing tools and techniques and meditation, um, it's, you don't need anything. You don't even need a mat. <laughs> like, you have a chair right, in right. your car. And so... That's when I really try to speak it to the um, to the level of where people are at. You can say, like, in your car. Um, we have a mutual friend, uh, Julie Allen, and she had posted once about uh, when, well, we're in, I guess not everyone can relate because not everyone has drawbridges. Um, but you certainly do going That's to right. the studio from, from my house. <laughs> <laughs> and she posted something. She, I think she even, like, got out of her car at a drawbridge don't know if it's legal. Sorry, Julie, but <laughs> I don't know what she did. Maybe she rolled down a window. But that when the drawbridge comes, instead of being impatient, because maybe you are running late for your yoga class or X, Y, and Z, there's this thing you can't control. Maybe use that as like a mindfulness moment. Mm. Oh, I'm, stop I'm stopped in my tracks. Oh, let me practice. Let me just be here and not be in 10 minutes ahead of time where I'm embarrassed walking into my class and I'm all like, heart fluttery and they've already done three or you know <laughs> so um, maybe that drawbridge that pause so I really like to teach meditations in little bites like little snack size so people can start small they can start anywhere they can start at their comfort level um, and then of course the more you do the more benefit but the benefit of I'll share you mind I'm just talking? <laughs> it's good. <laughs> okay. So um, when I first did my yoga teacher training, um, my intention, uh, I, oh, it was a crazy intention. I was living in Manhattan. I wanted to be an actor. And I didn't want to be a waitress as my side job. So I was going to be a yoga teacher. Does that make sense? It does. No. <laughs> no. I think that's that's a common, uh, isn't that like a, that's a, that's it's a common more thread? Common. Yeah, I don't know. I, don't, I was just like, this would be my, this would be my income. Ha ha. <laughs> this is going to be, I'm going to make money while I try to be an actor. So, um, but I was really like, I don't want to stop auditioning, but I have to do this teacher training. And I sat down and the what we had to do in the beginning, and I've carried this on because I, I really did like putting you almost in the hot seat, is to teach something simple in the mm -hmm. beginning before you've learned anything about how to teach. Just to, And I uh, taught how to like get centered, and all I did, I swear it was probably this simplistic. I said, sit down. I had taken, I had taken yoga at the time, and I was like, sit tall, you know, did the making up how to sit in the proper posture and I said uh, you know, close your eyes breathe in breathe out and I watched all these furrowed brows New York people who were probably also trying to be yoga teachers for random reasons I watched all of their like tense faces they shut their eyes they took a breath in they took a breath out, and I thought, one breath, one breath, complete transformation. I was like, this is what I wanted to do forever. <laughs> <laughs> and I never went back to acting, and, uh, you know, what, not that, you know. <laughs> and I was like, this is what I want to do. I want to do that. I want to make that transformation happen. And um, and that's how simple, that's how simple like, the practice is, but getting people to pause. Right, that's that's, that's where the big, the, that's the big that's challenge, where the isn't trick it? Is. I don't the, have time. I think it's, <laughs> I I think it's even a big trick for 
for um, like even, I mean, I, I catch myself getting caught at the drawbridge and, you know, having that initial reaction of like, you know, uh, great, you know, how am I going to make it to the place that I'm trying to get to on time? And that, it, you know, I first want to grab my phone and check out what's, you know, so there, it, it takes, it seems like it takes conscious effort to, to sit back, take a couple deep breaths, not straight away grab for the phone and go into to panic mode about <clears throat> the fact that I might be late to where I'm getting ready to go. I, I feel like it's one of those things that you're right. It's, it's, uh, there's so many simple moments throughout the day where we, we can do that, but it's, why is that so hard? Well, I mean, it's, you <laughs> named it, and I don't want to, this could take a totally different story. We'll do a whole other podcast <laughs> about, like, the cell phone and social media. And, like, I mean, there's people who speak really well about, about that because there is, like, the dopamine, all of it. It gives you it gives you something. Yeah. But this is, this is what I yeah. teach at the foundation of when I teach mindfulness. So the first thing I tell people is that it's a practice. So... First of all, it's not supposed, it's not perfect. It's not a performance. It's mm. just a practice. So you can't be bad at meditating, which everyone, I'm bad at sitting. I'm bad at being quiet. I'm bad mm. at meditating. Yep. Okay, yep. cool. Over it. It's a practice. You can't be bad. You can't be bad at it. Um, so that's the first like little bit of resistance. But the other thing is that um, mindfulness, this is also what I teach, is that it's, um, it's being here in the moment. So that rids you of anxiety about the future and I don't know, shame, guilt, regret, attachment Mm, to the past. So you are just in the now. Well, that's beautiful. If the now is like sunrise alone or with your loved ones who are all calm and not whining. Yeah. yeah, Okay. Mindfulness is beautiful when you sit on your pillow. And I studied in, uh, in, you know, in India and like, sitting on the pillow and there's no stress or bills or money exchange. <laughs> you know, you yeah, pay for your teacher yeah. training. You're just, so that's great. But that is, that is mindfulness and meditation practice. Sure. But what if being in the present is like, again, in your car, it's uncomfortable actually as we speak. And I hope it's not coming across on uh, your end, but there's our neighbor's dog barking <laughs> and mm, yes. constantly. And as I, um, and it's fine, that's life. But as I was filming for the Emerge program, at, and I would have to do it after my kids went to bed, and I'm a morning person, so it took like a lot of energy. And these dogs, these dogs, Todd, these dogs. <laughs> and so sometimes we avoid the pause in the present because the present ain't all that <laughs> like great or comfortable. And so that's the practice as well, is like just yep. being exactly where you're at. And then you can actually transform it into a more pleasant experience. Uh, this is also part of the what meditation is, is that, okay, I'm mindful. I'm in this moment. But by tuning into one of a bazillion breathing techniques that I teach, by tuning into one of those, you can transform it to like you almost, just almost don't hear that dog or you, <laughs> you you, your phone gets further away, at least in your mind. Um, and that's why breathing techniques, and it's also like when you say, oh, I can teach you a meditation practice to help you with your anxiety. So say I'm just telling someone off the street who's like, not off the street, but like I talk to yeah. random people and they're like, oh, I have a lot of anxiety. Oh, the COVID, oh, the fear. Oh, school. And I'm like, so what if I said, well, I could teach you a meditation. And they'd be like, oh, cool. All right. Or, hey, and I do, I have a podcast with a whole bunch of breathing techniques. Oh, breathing techniques? What's that? I'm like, well, you count these breaths or you pay attention to this when you breathe. And one of, again, several techniques for different results of how you're feeling. So once you take the pause, get present, whether your situation is a sunset or a drawbridge, so you're in that, and then you could move to some breath work you can actually transform your present situation into something um, more pleasant. And I've taught my kids, you know, my kids they are four and a half and six and a half. I've taught them to tell me to take a breath. If I get 
kind of annoying. <laughs> so they're like, take a breath, mom. And I'm like, you take a breath. No. Right. So I was like, That's that, fr- yeah, that first reaction. <laughs> wait a minute. I didn't tell you to tell. I did not ask you to tell me that. No, oh, wait, wait. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Yeah. It helps. So it's, it's all, it's all about the breath because, and again, there are probably better people scientifically to explain this than me, but there are, you know, they've done MRIs and brain scans and seen like transformation from conscious breath work. It's not a made up frou-frou like thing, like lengthening your breath, extending exhalations or inhalations if you're looking for a different result. All of that breath work is, is science as well. So that also helps me speak to the people who are less, you know, into yoga. Um, actually with the Emerge program, I was very specific to not um, have the word, I don't, I think I might mention yoga because I speak a little bit about my history, but I don't, it's not a yoga program. Actually, it's mindful movement, Mm. breathing techniques and mindfulness practices. Um, Just so it feels like a welcoming, something that is welcoming. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Wow. And you had uh, mentioned to me or gave me the opportunity to read a little bit of your experience from growing up and going through some challenges with uh, eating. And um, And I'm curious if you can shed a little bit of light on your journey from when you were in grade school to your recovery process and or your experience now? Sure. Yeah, it's very interesting. And a lot of people who know me, it's so weird. You know, we move, I've moved around a bit. There's people who just know me from like Florida. (laughs) So I knew when I uh, created the online course, which came to me in a meditation when we first, like back in March, when we first had to stay at home. And, um, and it was so strange because, so I have a 20-year history with um, eating disorders, but mostly bulimia, and then like bouts of anorexia with different hospitalizations from uh, preteens through early 20s. Wow. So that's kind of like the stretch of it. Um, but not only during that, when you're living that type of a life, and I'll go back to like childhood and how it began and, and body and how yoga played a role, but... Um, or a positive role out of it. Um, when, so when you're in something like that, you're in a life of secrecy, right? You're mm-hmm. not really doing any of this stuff out in the open. It's all very secret. Then <laughs> I moved here and I was in a really good, like healthy space. However, I still had, and I didn't realize it until very recently when I decided to like come out with this program, I was also living in secrecy because I had, I have friends here, Delilah, six and a half. These girls can find their two. We have friends from when they were seven months. I've lived my whole Florida life, and I just never speak about, Mm. I've never spoken or shared about my past. So I feel like I've, like, come out twice in one (laughs) one, uh, blog or one post. But, um, But I actually went to those friends who I've been friends with for almost seven years, some of them five or six years. And I'm like, oh, I'm about to tell everyone this about my history. And I'm like, you guys don't even know. So that was, it was all a very strange process. Um, I just kind of wanted to know it's something that I live with every day. I just, because I'm not in it, I, I don't know. I guess I was like, harboring a lot of like shame and guilt even um, around the, the past. I would but, think, um, I'm curious, wouldn't, wouldn't there be an element to though that if you have gone through a like if, if a big portion of your life is around trying to heal and make for, steps forward that there would be this feeling that maybe I don't want to talk about that every single time I meet somebody and make that the center of the conversation because that might actually continue the the like feeling that that's that's my identity and I'm curious I think if, that yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm really glad you actually said that because I've been trying to figure out why it's just been something I've packed away. But I do think I've spent so long trying to detach it from my identity. Mm. And now I feel like there's a lot of 
space. Maybe I should have just waiting until there's enough space. And now my desire to be out, out there about it is because I want to help others. Yeah. But I've also been dancing around that for so long, like wanting to help people because actually yeah. what I teach does help everyone, certainly. And yeah. then you can narrow down specifically with um, addiction and then you can narrow down specific and all addiction and then specifically, you know, food addiction and body, mm. you know, it, body image and things like that. So I think now that I've finally chosen that I need to use what I went through to help people, that's when I, yeah, I guess that's when I felt like it was yeah. necessary to talk yeah. about. Otherwise, I think you're totally, maybe, yeah, that's a great thing. And I've been trying to figure out why it's been, and I thought it was just because I was embarrassed about it, but I think a lot of it was because I was trying to get, that was my identity for yeah. 20 plus years yeah. and just trying to, like, but now my mission it's a hard mission. I thought it would be so much easier. <laughs> I thought everyone would want my help, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but but um, but I realized how difficult—not how difficult I was, but how resistant to change I was yeah. doing that. I mean, yeah. it took me a very long time, yeah. and it's that was twenty plus years being in that darkness, and it took a while and a lot of work to to keep moving out of it. It's. Yeah. it's not just like you wake up one day or one, you know, but, um, but when I was younger, funny enough, I was really, and again, especially to people who know this me, me of today, who's like, you know, 41 and likes to <laughs> work out with kettlebells and do handstands. Um, I was totally fearful. I was not into movement at all. I think very young age, I was told like my feet are no good for dancing um, so I can't dance and all kids just like go to dance class. And so I was told something, um, I was terrified of gymnastics. There was no way I was going to do anything like scary. I didn't even learn to ride a bike in my memory. My mom's listening. She might correct me, but I don't remember learning to ride a bike until I was 10 mm. and I have my four, my four year olds been riding a bike. So like a two wheeler. <laughs> so anyway, I remember being extremely fearful, um, and, uh, and I was also, um, home alone a lot, uh, as my mom was a extremely hardworking, incredible mother, but single mom, only child. I was home alone a yeah, lot, yeah. uh, from a younger age, not, um, you know, and, um, I started very early to find television and food as kind of babysitters company, um, instant gratification. Um, and that was that I just thought. And so, you know, I would just like eat and watch TV yeah. uh, more than most kids who might be outside doing physical, yeah. physical things, running around, taking classes or riding bikes. Um, and then uh, there was a time I feel like it was around feel like eight is always like that age in my memory, but there was a time where I feel like, comments about my weight um from just like peers or i don't know adults um some family members and then it, it just kind of continued that by 10 i started the whole um and i i just want to keep it personal and not actually talk about family members or anything yeah but i started to have eating disordered behaviors um mm. whether it was like hiding food throwing away food and then i tend to not share too much about like the specifics because I feel like it, I was triggered when I heard people share. So I don't want to trigger anyone else. So I just got very yeah. Yeah. disordered behaviors. Yeah. So I was very destructive uh, to my body, obviously to myself um, for many, many years. And then um, though it was mostly bulimia that I struggled with, I would have very true weight losses that would end up uh, putting me in treatment facilities. Mm. And they would always get you back to your physical health and then your brain would be so far away. <laughs> and then it was just kind of a cycle, like every mm. few years, um, never really letting my brain catch up with the recovery that my body was making. Mm. So it was just, that's kind of what I felt like the cycle was for wow. two, de two decades. Yeah. Yeah. And, I'll fast forward a lot <laughs> into um, a treatment center I was in in New York. And um, and it's cool because 
it, it brings in all of it. It brings in the, um, and it is, it is yoga, even though my program is not a yoga program, but, um, the, the mind, body, uh, spirit, breath of the yoga practice mm. is my body had been never anything that did much for me. You know, it didn't like <laughs> do anything, you know, it was, it was a source of like what I let out a lot of my negative feelings towards. And at this treatment facility, once you you were weight restored, you could, you got permit, you got allowed to take a yoga class or be a mm. yoga class. And I know many of my yoga teachers here in Florida, um, go into treatment facilities and do yoga. Did, did you um, say, I'm sorry, did you say when, when your weight is restored, meaning if you had, if, like I had gone in at a low weight and they get you back mm, up to your yeah. healthful, you know, because appropriate weight. You could you yeah. could hurt yourself more or less. Is that the idea that you're maybe that that if you're too thin and you were to go and do a yoga practice that well, I'm I'm just trying to understand or, or I'm curious how the reasoning I is. I think there. it was more like a reward system to mm, be honest. Yeah. <laughs> like like, like, um, you can do something a, fun if you <laughs> on a less, yeah, on a less <laughs> positive tip, but like, there's a certain like weight restoration or behavioral modification that you would have to uh, prove, and then you could yeah. go out for like smoke smoke break. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know if they still do that, but that was like twenty that years was part ago. Of I, you know. Yeah, that was part of the reward. You can go have a cigarette <laughs> if you. <laughs> That's so, so interesting. So, I mean, yeah. there, there's a, there's, I have a lot of questions. I don't want to derail you off of no, not the at direction all. you are. I, um, I, I yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm curious about, I also want to be sensitive the way that you mentioned too, because I feel like, um, if someone is experiencing a, uh, eating disorder and then <clears throat> hearing your story, could serve as a trigger, like you said. So I want to be respectful in the sense that there might be certain things that you would prefer to not go there because you have more insight than I do as to how the recovery process works in this department. So I'm, you know, please stop me if I push, push you in a direction that, that goes there. Cause I want to, you know, I don't want to, you know, hurt anybody. <laughs> but um, right, and so yeah, just, I do want to hear your questions. But off the bat, the things that are triggering are specific behaviors and numbers, like weight numbers. Mm. Those are the two things that I never uh, mention. I did uh, show like uh, a picture on my like website when I blogged about where I had come from, but even that could be considered triggering. Wow. So I really yeah. try to stay away from like mentioning numbers on the scale or specific behaviors that, that because those sense. are things that are triggering. But Thanks. other than that, I'm an open book to answer yeah. any questions. Um, all right. So you, you have been to multiple treatment facilities and, and you have had the, I mean, now you can look back and you have hindsight to say this one worked well. And that one, I don't necessarily agree with. I'm thinking that would have to be the case. What would be an example of maybe your better experiences or something that, really did help like you feel gave you that genuine sort of uh, something to hold on to, to make those steps forward. Well, this was it. It was the one that incorporated. Uh -huh. I mean, there are great parts, there are uh -huh. great parts to each place. Yeah. The only problem is due to, and I have a friend um, who actually runs the Alliance for Eating Disorders here in Florida. And she does a lot of work with, um, uh, I'm not going to use the right terms, but like legislature, mm. legislature stuff, mm -hmm. like to make sure insurance actually like these eating disorders as a thing that needs to, you know, needs to be funded by yep. insurance companies yep. and things like that. Yep. And, and there are like crazy statistics, the mortality rate from bulimia and anorexia are extraordinarily high. The people who are living with wow. all versions and even just the lack of um, quality of life from living with any any disordered eating honestly even even people who are on that diet train like mm -hmm, that are always mm -hmm. trying they're always trying to get that that's even though they're not yeah. and so those are actually part of and I will answer your question but that's yeah, it is. that does answer the it, people yeah. that I want to people that I want to help too are not just the people who are full blown into binge eating behaviors compulsive overeating binging yeah. and purging restricting yeah. It's people who are still caught up to think that they're not 
yeah. okay the way they are and that they're constantly trying to change, not change their body and like get stronger and, you know, like all of those really like positive progressive things. Mm. But in the, there's something wrong with the way my body is. And if it was mm. five or 10 pounds less, it wouldn't be wrong. But so the last, um, Gosh, so every facility. That's so, that's so interesting. Yeah. Sorry. Let me, let me go back. No, no. Me, yeah. Me, yeah. No, no. Keep going. Keep going. Okay. <laughs> but, um, so what I was going to say is, so every program was great, but honestly, probably too short mm. because there's not enough funding because, mm. um, I, I don't want to, like, it doesn't even money that I was that's, like, if you have money, you get, better treatment but that yeah. still doesn't mean you're going to do anything with it that's true they were all actually really beautiful like places yeah. and centers but especially like if you come in at a certain place you're there for three months mm. getting your like everything restored again and then you gotta go mm. <laughs> and then, yeah. and there's not enough like and you're thrust right out. back into the world again <laughs> with no real support system going on apart from i'm guessing there must be meetings and or that's similar to maybe other programs or is or not is there not that infrastructure there's there's some aftercare again a lot of it like you have to pay for and insurance gets you so far it's it's pretty intense there's also so many of the like 12 steps i mean there's a lot of um free support but you have to you have to have that that you know that first (laughs) step to keep continuing so The last treatment facility is the one that introduced yoga. And so when I, you know, got that reward and got to go down to the space that was off our floor um, and take from, and I'll mention it because this was the first yoga studio that I'd ever, you know, first of all, it was a teacher from the yoga studio who came, but it was also after I got out. Yeah, that's funny. So you just said, are there any support groups? They didn't know, but mm-hmm. I frequented this yoga studio as my support group. It was right. not an eating disorder related anything. Good point. Good point. Um, but um, so integral yoga, uh, it's kind of like an well, it's, there's different locations, but the one in New York um, is like an ashram in a brownstone. Like it's so freaking cool. Like there's people who live there cook there, serve there, work in the, you know, organic grocery, um, many floors, but so it's like an ashram in, um, in New York city. Is that under the tutelage of, um, Sachin Ananda? Yep. W- wasn't he the founder of integral yoga? I think so. I think now I right. feel like yeah. I have to, That's now okay. I feel like I have to check. That's okay. But, um, no worries. No worries. <laughs> we'll double check afterwards. Yeah. But so this, this teacher came, and, and it was almost, and it wasn't, like I said, I didn't have a physical practice in my life, my entire life. So it was some gentle stretching. It was breathe in, breathe out. And it was like lay down mm, yeah. and a body scan, like a yoga nidra. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> like I had, I, I had wow. never, I never felt anything yeah. like that. That didn't mean all of a sudden I loved my like, body yes. and life and everything yes. but it was definitely the gateway that wow. door had been open for me and you know you better believe I you know whenever that teacher came to the treatment facility I like went back to that class and um we were uh you know learning different so in in therapy there's um DBT and CBT, like all these different uh, therapies that are actually also mindfulness based mm-hmm. so you're mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. looking at belief systems and you're, you know, looking at where those beliefs, you know, you're getting present. There's one where we like put lotion on your hands and you just feel the sensation of like massaging your own hands. Like there's a lot of mindfulness based things in therapy, like therapy. Um, and then that, that I call it mindful movement, even if it's like a cow and a cat from sitting in a chair, like, you know, extension, Selection, oh, it's like a muscle, like your muscles, just like, like what is like the cat and the cow thing? I'm like, whoa, what is this in my back? And what is this in my chest? And like <laughs> leaning to one side, and um, it really was. It's so funny, integral yoga. Everything felt so integrated in that first experience, um, and really, that was yeah. it. That's really amazing. I mean, that was You're your, right. 
I mean, yeah. it, it really is amazing because, you know, I think as once we've gotten accustomed to the yoga practice, we, a cow and a cat doesn't have that sort of, um, life transformative <clears throat> light bulb going off, but the way that you're describing it. And I think also that the way that you prefaced our conversation with feeling the, the the want to help people connect as opposed to say seeing a picture of you doing a handstand or seeing a picture of you doing something that takes years and years and years of practice to actually get good at that then that could be a hindrance to somebody who needs <clears throat> I'm not saying what you're doing would be a hindrance but it could be a hindrance to the fact that if if all I really need to do is just connect on a really simple level with a cow and a cat and be able to go from a real agitated and or fearful or, you know, a, a state of being where we've been, you know, under oppression, so to speak, from year after year after year being held almost like the victim of uh, this behavior that then something really subtle where I haven't even felt my body for my whole life. And now I'm just doing mm -hmm. flexion extension and that sort of awakening process. I, it makes sense to me why you're putting the emphasis the way you are on your teaching now to hopefully be able to inspire people that were at that same place you were, <clears throat> you know, now. So that, that makes, that makes it more clear for me. Like I, I can see that very pretty, but I would pretty also, obvious. Yeah. I would also challenge someone, <laughs> challenge you or someone yeah. who has an advanced and you would do the, um, similar like patterns in your practice mm. to feel like every or one practice and yep. feel like this is the first sane you've like ever done. Ever done. So yep. when your arms go up, your arms just don't go up. So yep. even if like your muscles and your body are not necessarily getting the best stretch in the world from Urdhva Hastasana, reaching your arms up in the air. There we go. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> even if you're not like really feeling the best stretch in the world, you could. Yeah. You could feel your feet push down yeah. even more. You could feel your hips like kind of do that downward that you could even in just because you're just doing it for one inhale, you could still like if you're that so it can cross that same, like when I call it mindful movement, can be from that like 20s, whatever I was like yeah. in a treatment yeah. facility, never being in my physical body or only hurting my physical body. Or it could be someone who might be not for anything coming to vinyasa or coming to Ashtanga for the calorie burning fitness. I want to yeah. like push my body. Yep. So I, you know, whatever, not, not that, I mean, yes, never mind. <laughs> People do come to their power and they're hot and they're, or anything with that kind of um, intention. So my approach could be for the brand new person or for the person. And so that's really important to me because, yep. because I don't want to, again, just speak to the person who's like either extremely underweight or extremely overweight, or it could be for Someone again who you wouldn't even know who's in your class, who's struggling, who feels like if they miss their class, they're going to have to run three miles to make up for the, you know, so, um, you know, I would, I would want to, <laughs> you know, teach that you could use the mindfulness in every range of like experience level, mm -hmm. um, so, cause, because even like the last group class I was teaching was a nice, powerful vinyasa class. So even though I love to modify and, and make the new person feel super comfortable, um, I still like to practice and teach a fun, like flowing, you know, with neat postures class, but in a mindful way that you're feeling it and not doing it auto, like on, um, like just automatically. Um, yeah, so yeah, I don't know. Total, but then I kept... Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go oh, ahead. No, that's okay. That makes total sense. And I, I think you're right. And that's when I think about pain and, you know, there can be this element where if you, if we are in that department where we're doing something regularly and kind of getting accustomed and, 
used to it and then we have this pain sensation somewhere in the body, an injury, a shoulder, a knee, a hip, a back, wherever. <clears throat> and there's that initial annoyance of like, great, now I got this thing that's holding me back from doing what I normally like to do. But I think that's where pain possibly can be a real gift to our yoga practice because then we're not able to just go into that mode where we're not fully appreciative of every moment. Now I have to break it down in a way where I'm simplifying it. And I, I guess, you know, I'm always trying to look for silver linings because there's a lot of, what's the opposite color of silver? A non-silver <laughs> line. <laughs> uh, Dark. Darkness. Like darkness. <laughs> and um, that, that uh, you know, that's where pain I feel like has made my practice better even though I really don't like pain. Like I really don't yeah. ever want pain to come around, but because I keep going at it on a daily basis, I'm finding that that's the only way I can spin it to make it somehow seem like I can learn from it. Or do you, well, and yeah. Yeah. And it'll make you, I mean, you're, you're such an extraordinary teacher with like, again, your um, modifications and awareness with people with special conditions is, you know, incredible. But so for years, I was like a prenatal teacher before I ever had children. And I'd be like, if you have sciatica, do this stretch, it will help. And I'd never had sciatica. Then with my both my pregnancies, <laughs> I had sciatica. And I was like, this stretch feels horrible. Why are they, why are they telling us to do this? That's so kid? true. Yeah. Like we, Let, you, the, better, <laughs> the, the best yoga teachers are the ones that have gone through the most injury and suffering sometimes. I think I'm like, yeah. And then what if I, yeah. What if I move this way? Oh, that, yeah, mm -hmm, that's much mm -hmm. better. And, and that's also my body that has X percentage of mobility and X percentage of strength and X percentage of restriction. Um, but, um, yeah, so, so definitely like all of these experiences are the greatest teachers and even the ones where you like, right. You might have to take a, you never have to, Stop moving, but I've worked with women during pregnancy on bed rest, and we have to work on just like joint movement, spine mm, movement, mm. releasing head and neck tension, mm. visualization, breath work. So there really is like something for everyone across the across the board. But when I left um, after my first taste of yoga, I I moved to New York. I chose that that was where I was going to live. I, um, and, um, what was I going to say? Oh, I, I went to integral just all, like all of the time. And so it's a Hatha studio and I just stayed in like the first level, which was basically like gentle movements, breathing techniques mm. and yoga, a lot of oh, yoga nidra, man. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like you lay down and it took 20 minutes to do like a six 60 point body, 61 point body scan. And uh -huh. I was like, this is incredible. And then I started to, um, and, and again, that wasn't the end. I didn't leave that treatment, you know, center and just be a hundred percent. And I found yoga and I'm all better. It took me like, and, and I wasn't a teacher at that point at all. I was just starting my yoga practice. Um, it took a lot of just like trial and error, figuring things out. Um, which is honestly how I developed every tool, technique, and principle of the program that I ended up creating. And again, we were at home. I meditated. There's a woman, Jess Glazier, and she has this create an online course using sticky notes, post-it notes. Right. <laughs> I, I journal. <laughs> I put everything on sticky notes. I had my wall covered in one night. <laughs> I had the whole program because I'd lived... I already had the program was already in me. I just yeah. had to like put it down. Um, and all of the principles were the things that I figured out when I, you know, got out and started my journey of like how to live a different way. Um, and so the principles that I teach in the program are the four A's, which is awareness, acceptance, appreciation, and action. Um, and so those, uh, well, the first thing I teach is release the idea of <laughs> doing anything perfect mm. because you are already perfect. 
<laughs> so it's uh, it's really it's like my, I think it's my day one. It's so here's a big giveaway, <laughs> but it's it's that like like anything, and I don't even call it recovered recovery. I don't I don't have I don't I don't really attach to any of these words. I feel like it's all a journey, um, and nobody's perfect meaning the idea of perfectionism, like the idea of, of that number one, but everyone is perfect just as they are. Even if you didn't change anything about yourself, even if you were in the place that you're perfect just as you are, because that, because this is your lifetime that you were given. So it's, it's this kind of concept of, and so then just let go of all judgments. <laughs> and that's a practice too, right? You're just mm. not going to all of a sudden, but that's a big part. And I have everyone in the course uh, get, a, I say, like a crappy journal, the spiral notebook, the cheapest thing you can find. Um, so you don't feel like everything you write, because I give writing prompts too, because writing was a big part of my journey. Um, so you're not like, oh, my journal's so pretty. I'm only going to write like really nice things and never scratch anything out. So I'm just like, get a dollar store journal <laughs> so you can scratch out all this stuff. Um, and it is, it's awareness, acceptance, appreciation, and action. And that's many, many times over in like everything. That's, that's kind of the practice of everything. And awareness is where all the mindfulness uh, techniques are. And yeah, that's kind of how it all, it all came, came out. <laughs> from, that's awesome, Sarah. Yeah. That's really cool. No. You know, I, I, well, I already at the beginning of the podcast had um, directed people to on it on the intro to find you at your website, which is peacefulpowerproject.com. And I feel like that there has to be somebody who's listening because when I revisit my own memories of, body issue related feelings of shame uh, and or not being good enough and or that constant feeling of like I just need to lose a couple of extra pounds. I mean, I would go out on a limb and almost think that probably 90, 99% of the human population almost is up against some form or another of feeling like they're not perfect, that they have to do something to try to meet up with some level of expectation that we almost created for ourselves, but was pushed on us on different ways. So, I mean, it's an amazing topic and I, I think you're very bold and brave to now talk about this and make this a part of your journey and teaching and your passion and I, I just want to say thank you so much for being, for being uh, bold enough and brave enough to kind of go there with us. And, but also when you mentioned your four A's and then you said action, I feel like what you mentioned in terms of putting the sticky notes up and realizing like, all right, I've got this. This is like, and this is a way that I can help other people. Um, I, I really like what you're doing and I think it's super important and I really, really hope that if anybody is listening and feels like they just need a little bit of encouragement that they'll seek you out. Yeah, I really hope so too. I thank you so much for the opportunity, Todd. It's just a lot of people I think have, because society is so like pushing people towards the direction that it's almost like acceptable or normal to be wanting to change yourself and mm. go through drastic measures. Yeah. I feel like people have gotten really comfortable with that, yeah. especially if the self-esteem is like, you know, not fully, you know, if they're not fully embodied and empowered, it's so easy to be like, well, everyone else says I should be doing this X, Y, and Z. And I'm, I think you're given the message a lot that we're not good enough. And that's, yeah. Just for FYI, that's probably to sell more stuff to help you <laughs> be good enough. Or if we were all just good They're enough, taken. and <laughs> that's on my that's on my sticky note. <laughs> <laughs> so, and and the thing is, you know, people are good enough, and that's that's actually that's the teachings. It's about um, getting back to the core. And I, and and again, I just want to thank you for the opportunity. Of I know. Course. 
scary for people to go to the core, but it's actually, it's through like what you said <laughs> through that, um, the struggle or the pain, you know, the, the parts that are less comfortable and don't feel as good where we get these like silver linings and finally the big bursts of, um, you know, sun rays. That's why I call it, um, the program is emerge because the definition is to move out of or away from something and come into view. Mm. So it really is like, you know, the emerge can be anything, you know, the butterfly or the, um, the, just a sprout coming out of the earth or a crack in the road or the sun emerging at the beginning of a new day. So it really is like, yeah, it's hard work. I really can't like make it any easier, <laughs> but <laughs> you get, you get yeah. to, you get to emerge at the end. How cool is that? <laughs> so I really, I'm grateful for the opportunity to like share with your listeners and just actually just share with you and talk with you. And I'm really grateful for that. Thank you, Sarah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I have more questions, but maybe what we'll do is we'll reconvene this conversation. (laughs) I felt like we could talk for a day. I know. I know. I like to, I want our listeners when they see the duration of the podcast for them to go, yeah, "Yeah, I I can do that. I I, I can, uh, I can etch out that amount of time. When they see the three and a half hour tour, they're like, hmm. <laughs> I know. Well, this, so however, we'll, let's I'm, spread it I'm out. Starting, let's spread I'm it out over. To, <laughs> I'm starting to go on long runs, and I'm like, I need a longer podcast. Well, there we go. <laughs> there we go. It's <laughs> a marathon. But yeah, I really thank you, Todd. Awesome, Sarah. Well, we'll catch up soon and uh, have a wonderful day. And I look forward to speaking more with you. Awesome. Thanks, Todd. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Native Yoga Toddcast. We really appreciate it and we hope you enjoyed. Remember that if you'd like to learn more about upcoming classes, workshops, teacher trainings, and our online yoga studio, all of which you can access at nativeyogacenter.com, your support is greatly appreciated. Have a wonderful day.